welcome to this solo episode number 55 of the Free Spirit Academy podcast, Coming Home to Our Bodies. Free Spirit Academy is about you being fully you. My name is Randy Moss, and with a background in eating psychology, kundalini yoga, and most recently somatic experiencing, we explore the mind-body-spirit journey to freedom from compulsive behavior, trauma, and anything that's leaving you feeling inauthentic and trapped in your body or trapped in your life. I hope these episodes leave you feeling lighter and freer in your body, your mind, your relationships, creativity, and life as a whole. Enjoy the show. Hey friends, so we're living in a pretty different world than the one that we were in the last time I recorded. Um, My wife and I are in our second week of quarantining at home here in Washington State, and I mean pretty much my day-to-day life hasn't shifted dramatically. But I know that for a lot of people, it has. And I know that for a lot of people, even if they still have their jobs and maybe they're working from home and everybody is still healthy, even then, it's a really big adjustment. And I've been thinking back to the many years and many jobs I had when I was struggling massively with compulsive overeating and constantly thinking about food. And I remember just feeling like if I just didn't have to go to work, then I could put all my energy into healing and everything would be fixed. Like my mind, my body, my emotions, everything I struggled with. And I had this fantasy about getting to live my life exactly on my own terms and my own time and how magical that would be. And over the years, I had had a blog of my recipes and cleansing practices and it turned into asking to um, folks asked me to coach them, which turned into furthering my own education in eating psychology and really wanting to take it full time. But maybe mm, less than a year, probably like nine months or so before this was going to happen, because we were about to move out of Seattle and our circumstances were going to change, making working from home a possibility, I injured my shoulder. And at the time, I was stocking shelves at Whole Foods, and I tried to be, like, tough and cool about it and not really make a big deal, but it was it was bad. It was bad enough that I was going to be out of work for months. And I was actually excited when I realized that that was the possibility. I was really excited. I was not at all hesitant about that doctor's note. At that point, I was not interested in toughing it out anymore. I was going to take this time at home and I was going to live exactly how I wanted to live and build my little business and just be blissed out of my mind. And I was not. I still thought about food constantly. I was more depressed after the initial high of being off work and terrified because if this, this dream thing wasn't it, then what was I was doing everything I knew to do to take care of my physical health, mental health, emotional health on my own schedule with nothing in the way. And it was off. Something was off. I felt off. I had nobody telling me what to do, nothing built into my schedule, no distractions from what I was feeling, except that I did not know how to feel it. I largely just felt flat. And just in a kind of despair. And I was scared because suddenly I realized I had no idea how to build a business. And all of my insecurities were screaming at me. And I didn't feel smart enough to figure it out. And I didn't feel worthy enough of all of this time. And I I just generally like oh, wanted to crawl out of my skin. And the quieter my life got, the louder my brain got. I had thought that being in a job I didn't want was bad, but at least I had a distraction, and now I just had myself. 
And in the year or so that would follow, which was, it was a good chunk of time off of work, many months off of work, and then transitioning back to work at Whole Foods, and then eventually transitioning to being home full time. In that year or so, I found myself on a self-love journey for the first time. And I would have said that what I was doing before was about self-love, all of the fasting and cleansing and journaling and working out and trying to meditate. But as I really turned inwards, I could see how it had all been about control and about fixing and how I was so scared of myself and uncomfortable in my skin that that fear was constantly driving every choice. It was a commitment to loving myself no matter what that actually made a shift in my disordered relationship with food, the way that I felt in my body, and my ability to slowly, really slowly build a business and a life that I actually wanted. And I I call it a self-love path because it wasn't a single thing or a plan or a program. It, It was a path then and it's a path now, just in a totally different place. And so what I want to share here is this. That if you're finding yourself totally out of your usual day, your usual life, and anything comfortable or expected or known, and it doesn't feel good, or you want to be distracting with food or anything, and you kind of want to crawl out of your skin, that that's to be expected. Because if there are stresses, traumas, and untrue beliefs stored up in our body-mind system, The stillness or the lack of distraction or the lack of just what's expected or somebody telling us what to do with our time is going to start making those things obvious. And it's a lot, even even in the best of circumstances. The self-love path I'm talking about isn't one where I decided to like schedule in baths or manicures. Those, Those things can be lovely. Um, it was one where I made it safe for myself to shift from an outside-in perspective where I was managing and controlling my feelings and my body and my life to an inside-out approach, a felt approach where I was making space for my feelings and learning about my body and responding to what I was learning from life. And it was a path of slowing down and learning to feel rather than amping up and trying to fix it. And if it feels like you are feeling and that that's the problem, like all your feelings are the problem because maybe your feelings are leading to overeating or yelling at your partner or just feeling really bad all the time, I'm going to gently suggest that this isn't fully feeling. And I mean, for years, when I would read advice on feeling my feelings instead of eating them, I really thought I was doing it. I just thought it didn't work. And my mind would rage on and on and eventually it would just be too much and I would lose myself in food. But all I actually knew how to do was think about what I was feeling because my body did not feel like a safe place to be. And I think that this is happening for a lot of us on hyperdrive right now as our lives have become so uncertain. And at the same time, it's, it's triggering a lack of safety and uncertainty that we already feel in our own beings. Or to put it in a more grounded way, it's any stored survival energy living in our system is being activated right now. And if we're going to navigate this time well, or heal a relationship with food, or ever feel free in our bodies as ourselves in our lives, we need to make it safe for ourselves to feel. 
So with that, what today's episode actually is, and the intro might be as long as the episode at this point, is the first module from my new course in Free Spirit Academy called Coming Home to Your Body. I am designing it to be something that sort of underlies all of the other courses, a prerequisite for all the other courses, and really for any practice that we have. Because just like I was doing all of my self-care work and journaling and trying to meditate, it was basically useless because I had no sense of feeling or safety. And I don't know if you've ever done practices over and over and over or gone to healers and you, you either don't feel any different or the difference doesn't really last. This course is going to address why. So the other things that this course is going to address are why you can be perfect with your cleansing practices or your healthy lifestyle and still feel unwell, why some people can do these things and heal and some don't. We'll talk about how to build resilience in challenging times. It'll address the struggle to be present or mindful or in the flow, um, no matter how much you meditate or use spiritual and self-care practices. We'll talk about the desire to take care of your health while struggling with self-sabotage and compulsive behaviors and cycles that just repeat over and over again or patterns like overeating and you just, you don't know why you keep doing the same thing over and over again. We'll talk about when you have talked about your issues and traumas in therapy and you feel like you've processed your childhood, but you still struggle with anxiety or depression or a constant feeling of frustration or other painful emotions that just don't seem to match the present circumstances. Or maybe how you've tried to just relax and maybe you know some of the nervous system lingo and you try to take deep breaths to like deactivate your parasympathetic nervous system and and you still feel like a mess. It's going to be about how to actually learn to actually feel rather than just thinking about our feelings or reacting to our feelings or numbing our feelings. So today's episode will stand alone, but if you want to go deeper, Coming Home to Your Body is going to be uploaded to the Free Spirit Academy membership site over the course of the next few weeks. And the membership is usually $25 a month, and it gives you access to all of the available courses. So right now I have three other courses. One of them is on food freedom and intuitive eating. The other, or the second one is on healing compulsive overeating. And the third is on um, healing body image, painful body image. However, for the remainder of March, rather than $25 a month, if you sign up to be a member, it's going to be available for $10 a month, and it will stay $10 a month for as long as you're a member. So just because you sign up for $10 a month now, um, it's not going to return to the regular price. As long as you remain a member, it's going to be $10 if you sign up by the end of March. So I'll leave the link in the show notes along with the coupon code, which is coming home. And I'll be so happy to have you as this is my new favorite. And obviously I love all of my courses, but this one is, it's, it's really special. So with that, I'm going to let you listen to the first audio class from Coming Home to Your Body. Hey friend, welcome to Coming Home to Your Body. I am really happy that you're here. And I want to start this with an invitation that I'm going to be offering a lot. And that is that I just want you to feel your feet on the floor. So feel just the surface of whatever your feet are touching. So maybe it's not the floor, maybe you're propped up on a couch or whatever the thing is. Just feel the surface. Feel your feet touching the surface. And if you're sitting, 
feel your body on whatever surface that it's touching. So if your butt is in a chair, if your back is against a couch, whatever you're on, whatever surface that your body is touching, just feel that pressure. So feel your feet, feel your body. And now start to take a slow, slow, slow look around the room, taking in your space. Let your eyes rest on one object at a time. And now see if you can take in the room still feeling your feet on the floor and your body against the surface. So keep looking and keep feeling. And this can be a little hard to focus on sometimes for some of us at one time. We're orienting ourselves to our environment, and I'll be talking a lot about this moving forward, but for now, as I talk throughout the course of this audio, see how connected you can stay to what you're seeing and the surface you're touching with your body. So, humans as a whole... We are dependent on a lot of things to keep us functioning in our lives. We might use food or drinks to calm us down. We might use pills or caffeine or adrenaline kind of activities to amp us up or or settle us. And rarely are we ever actually present in our bodies without, without altering anything. And presence and mindfulness have been buzzwords for a while now, but if you're anything like me, you might not even know what this means, or you might have a hard time actually just being it. So a massive struggle that I had was that every time I tried to be present, I was just trying to not think, to get rid of my thoughts, and then I'd be present. And I had no idea where to rest my focus, and I'd always end up climbing back into the safety of my chattering mind, thinking about the past and planning for the future. And that word, safety, is key here. The present moment didn't feel safe. And I, I, didn't, um, I didn't look at it this way. It wasn't like, oh, I don't feel safe. It was just like, I don't know why I can't stop thinking. And, and that lack of safety was happening in my body because most of the time, if I'd taken a look around, I wasn't in danger. Nobody was chasing me, nobody was threatening me, but my body was reacting as though something was very wrong and very scary, and in my case, um, a long period of that had led to a sense of numbness. So dropping my thoughts, even to focus on my breath, say if I was going through an exercise, it, it felt hollow and confusing, and I didn't know why. I didn't know what I was feeling or my lack of ability to feel wasn't just normal. I thought it was just me and that I was lazy and unfocused, which as it turns out were just, not just, but they were core wounds that I held about myself. Um, this program is about coming home to our bodies because our bodies are where freedom is. And when I talk about freedom and this being Free Spirit Academy, I just mean the ability to be fully yourself. And mind you, that's not an end goal. I say that phrase a lot. It's sort of just, I don't know, become the way I say it. But it's not that there's one day that you wake up and you're like, I'm fully myself now. And that's it. I'm done. It's, it's a process of becoming. A process of first seeing all the ways that we were conditioned not to be ourselves and healing those wounds. And then a process of blossoming and growing what we are. 
rather than perpetuating old cycles. And our bodies hold all of that information. So the seeds of what we have the potential to grow into, our bodies can be guides to our freedom and authenticity, but we have to be able to feel and to feel we need to create safety. I created this program because I think information and education about how the body works is important. And I think a lot of mindfulness techniques, etc., are a bit dumbed down, not intentionally, um, or even just a bit indirect, like more poetic than practical. And while I really, really appreciate a good poet, I think that there is room for clarity and practicality in the healing world and the spiritual world and the growth worlds. So with that, our primary focus is going to be the body, and more specifically, the nervous system, which runs through our entire body. And it, it's going to be a bit technical, but the more that we not only understand, but, and I heard somebody use this word, this made up word recently, not only understand, but inner stand, so have an actual inner internal experience of what I'll be talking about, I think the more we have this inner standing the more interesting it's going to become. So if it feels a bit dry at first, give it a chance. My hope is that I can lay this out in a way that's clear and straightforward and useful and really truly supports freedom for all of us. So with that, the nervous system. The nervous system has several branches, one being the ANS or the autonomic nervous system, and this branch is responsible for all the stuff our body does automatically. So it's our digestion, heart rate, breathing rate, tissue regeneration, healing, and it can be the reason why we may be doing things right dietarily but still struggle with these areas. So in addition to these automatic responses, it's responsible for our survival responses. So fight, flight, and freeze. And these are what keep us safe when we're in danger. The third thing that the autonomic nervous system is responsible for is our ability to connect. So to connect with people, animals, the room, the world around us, which I'll bring us back to. Can you still feel your feet on the floor? Can you still feel your butt in the chair? And can you still see the room around you? So this autonomic nervous system responsible for our ability to connect which so if this is a hard thing for you, staying connected to the surface, to the room around you, then there might just be a bit of dysregulation. And that's fine. We're going to talk about all of that. So why this is important is because most of us are living on autopilot. And we repeat cycles that hurt us and we can't figure out why and we make choices that ultimately hurt us and it feels like this big mystery. We do the same things over and over and over again and can't seem to get out. So understanding the nervous system is important because it's actually something that we can learn to feel and sense and observe. And through this, through learning to sense and feel and observe, we can actually change it. So let's talk about the autonomic nervous system in a bit more detail. So we have the sympathetic nervous system, which is our alertness, our spark, and you'll often hear this talked about in negative terms as if we need to just turn off our sympathetic nervous system to reduce stress. But we do actually need this system. It's, it's not there for no reason. Um, we just don't need it to be as active as it is for most of us. So we need the sympathetic nervous system. And then we have the parasympathetic nervous system, which is what slows us down. And this system does that in a couple of ways. 
We can either be relaxed and able to socially connect, that is one part of the parasympathetic system, or we can be shut down, frozen, or in shock. And that's part two of the parasympathetic. And as you can see, those are quite different. Our social engagement system is the most evolved part of our nervous system, and it's unique to us as mammals. It gives us the ability to connect with people and love, and this is important. It's the state that we need to be in to learn, to learn and to grow. So when people talk about how you need to choose love and not fear, or that we need to um, be in a state of love in order to be able to grow, this is the state that they're talking about. We can contrast this with the equally important, but a little bit less involved, fight-flight nervous system. We'll experience this when we're in danger. Heart rate goes up, adrenaline increases, and what's important to see with this is that it's um, it's not just maybe a scenario where you're walking down a dark alley and you have your guard up. It's the same system that engages when we feel emotionally threatened. So when we're babies, when we're children, when we're growing up and we're not heard or we're shamed, that, and we'll talk about this in more detail moving forward, that also feels like danger. So whether emotional or physical, it's the same stress response that engages in an attempt to keep us safe. Now, lastly, the least evolved of these parts of our nervous system is that parasympathetic nervous system that puts us into immobility or shock or shutdown. It's what allows bears to hibernate, to conserve their energy, or to put us into shock. If we, if we get a good, uh, like a good old cut on our hand, a big cut, it conserves our energy, it helps us from feeling the pain right away. And another thing that can happen if this system gets turned on a lot is that we can become very antisocial, very insular, very quiet, having a hard time engaging, connecting. It's conservation mode, right? It's hibernation mode. So if you have fight-flight and it's opposite, this is its opposite, that we're looking at here. Freeze. So to paint a picture of this frozen state, this was a state that I lived in for a really long time and where I was at when we talked in the beginning about trying to be present. I was somebody that didn't feel a wild swing of emotions, and in fact, I didn't feel a whole lot at all. And my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, we were we were long distance for the first few years of our relationship, and whenever we would say goodbye, she would cry, and I just wouldn't. And I was really even-keeled, I never really got angry, never deeply sad, um, but I was also just kind of cynical and kind of apathetic, and I, I had no connection to my deep sadness, but then I had no rich joy either. No connection to my healthy anger meant no passion for much of anything. It was just all kind of meh. I felt lackluster, which was kind of crazy because I knew I knew I should be feeling more than I was. And, and this led to all sorts of extremes. So, and, and when I say no, I think it was a sort of um, subconscious knowing because right on the surface, and I talked about this in the beginning, it was like, well, this is just normal. It's just me. I've got to do all this stuff. And so it did lead to all sorts of extremes, which maybe you can relate with if you're somebody for whom your nervous system is often in this state. Extremes like months of juice fasting, like months at a time, binge eating, adrenaline-based activities like skydiving and bungee jumping and just inflicting all sorts of pain on myself just to feel something. 
So everything was extreme and I had a really difficult time connecting and, and being connected because I had only a surface connection to my own inner world. I was in what is called a functional freeze state much of the time where on the surface, you probably would have thought I was okay, maybe. <laughs> um, but internally, I was in conservation mode with all of that fight flight energy. It's not that I didn't have it, but it was stored inside and frozen over, like having the gas on and the brake on at the same time, which is exhausting to the body over time. And it's the sort of thing that leads to issues like autoimmune and chronic pain. And that is perhaps a rabbit hole that we'll go into in a bit in another audio. So in this state, in this shutdown state, we're low on oxygen and healthy nervous system regulation that we need for basic organ function, hormonal function, good sleep, metabolic health, and also our ability to be creative and productive humans. And a couple of the biggest painful beliefs I had about myself, and I think I mentioned this in the beginning, were that I was both lazy and stupid. And part of this came from things that I was told as a child, traumas. And part of this was the accumulation of stress and trauma leading to my system shutting down, meaning my abilities to feel clear, think on my feet, be inspired and motivated were also very low. And even just holding these beliefs about myself and the shame that came with them was a constant stress. So this can be one reason that beginning to slow down and feel our bodies is so scary because you would think slowing down means I'm calm and relaxed, but maybe you've noticed that you can't sit for long without grabbing your phone or turning on the TV or eating, and there's a sense that once we really slow down and feel in, there's a lot in there, so there's a lot of resistance to it. Whether you're in a frozen state and it will take time to melt and feel what else is going on, or whether you're more somebody with a constant stream of stored fight-flight energy right at the surface. Now, let's talk for a moment about mammals. Mammals that get traumatized. Our nervous systems are set up just like animals, so you could have a gazelle out in the field and it could be grazing, just hanging out, eating, parasympathetic nervous system and it notices an unusual sound so its little ears perk up it gets a slight sympathetic nervous system response it sees a cheetah and it instantly bolts into a run so ramping up into a full sympathetic response let's say it escapes and with a little time and some natural bodily shaking and i'm going to put a video in the notes for this section so you can see how this works with an animal it won't be excel it's going to be a bear um after it comes down and it shakes, it's going to be completely untraumatized. So what is happening here? Well, the gazelle is completely embodied in their sensations. They don't have this story that they tell when they get home about like, oh my gosh, I almost got eaten by a cheetah today and on and on just talking about how awful the experience was. And they also don't have the ability to make the chase mean that they were weak or not good at staying out of sight, and so they don't go into any shame. They're pure body sensation, and once the threat is gone, they're just feeling and allowing for that natural stress response to move through their bodies and complete, so to rise and then fall. We humans, on the other hand, are more complex, and we hang on to the stress. So instead of being in our sensations, which feel very dangerous, we're able to go up into our heads and analyze how we can keep ourselves safe. 
and we start living in the past. We, we think about what happened and we're thinking into the future and how we can keep it from happening again. And then maybe on top of that, we're taking on these belief systems that keep us in this constant state of stress. So let's talk about trauma. We may think about trauma as something big and horrific and dramatic and abusive, and that can certainly be true. But trauma is anything that activates our fight or flight states so that we don't fully come out of, or <laughs> that was poorly, poorly said. Um, it activates our fight or flight states. We don't come out. That is trauma stored in the body. It could be a car accident or overt physical abuse or something as seemingly simple as being told that you're too sensitive. Anything, of course, that puts us in physical danger, but also what we perceive as emotional danger. And particularly as children, where we need the love and acceptance of our parents to stay living because we don't have the capacities to take care of ourselves physically and emotionally, any part of our natural expression that we learn to alter is also a stress and trauma that is stored in the body. But let's go back to the animal for a sec. And let's say that that gazelle got caught by the cheetah. What the gazelle's body automatically does is it goes straight to that state of freeze so as not to feel being, being killed. And we can see that the frozen state is the height of the stress response. The gazelle just goes limp. It essentially plays dead. And if there's a stray moment to do so, it can shift out of freeze in an instant and bound away. But we humans, with our stories and disconnection from our bodies, we can actually stay in this state, like we've been talking about. So in the very beginning, when we were talking about not feeling safe in the body, these are the reasons why. Every time we experienced a stress or trauma, as in anything that activates the stress response in our nervous system, and it didn't get fully processed... So our stress didn't rise and then fall like with the gazelle because our human minds have the capacity for being in more than just the moment and, and reaching for control by thinking about the past and future. And because on the whole, our reactions to trauma, like anger and tears, were not okay for so many of us to express, these stress responses get stored in the body. So we constantly feel safe, or sorry, unsafe, or emotional in a way that's not actually reflective of what's going on. Like no matter what happens, we feel anxious, and no matter what happens, we feel depressed or we feel sad. It's not reflective of what's happening in our outside world, though maybe it's being triggered by what's happening in the outside world. And now something that's important to note is that none of these parts of our system, the parasympathetic or the sympathetic, are bad. They all have their place. And what we want to be able to have is resilience, to be able to experience stress or, or pressure and have our system go into a bit of a sympathetic response and to be able to come down from that response at the right time. That is what is healthy. And, and to have the right parts on and the right parts off at the right times is what I'm going to be referring to going forward when I say a regulated nervous system. What is not healthy is, for example, what I described earlier, being stuck in very low-level uh, conservation state or freeze state, or getting stuck in the very high fight-or-flight states. Because stress in itself isn't a bad thing. It's, it's through stress and friction that we have the potential to grow. 
But this can only happen with a well-regulated nervous system and the ability to feel it, feel it and sense it within our bodies. If we don't have this skill online, then any of our practices, our yoga, our meditation, etc., are basically useless. Or they're, they're like maintenance things. Um, like we need to keep doing them, but if we don't, we completely unravel and we, we stay in our patterns. There's no effectiveness, effectiveness or magic in any practice. It's in being able to embody the practices that they're transformative. And in worst case scenario, our practices can actually become ways of disconnecting. For example, like going to a really intense breathwork class or a kundalini class, it's it can have a tendency to stress out the system beyond capacity and just put us into a state of freeze if we don't know how to embody the stress that it triggers and allow for that stress response to come down. And I think what so many people are experiencing that feels so good and so high after one of these classes is a state of freeze, which feels better than constantly being in fight or flight mode, if that's where one has been. So this work underlies everything. It makes our physical and spiritual practices actually effective. It makes real change in our lives actually possible. It makes embodying who we actually are rather than running on the programs of who we're taught to be a possibility. And I personally think that this work is the cutting edge of human evolution right now. So with that, I will leave you until next time. Mm -hmm.